Thank you so much for listening to Out of the Box Podcast, guys. I really would love if you could show your support and help us grow. Download the Fountain app on iOS or Android and follow us Out of the Box Podcast and start listening. You can share your thoughts on the episode by sending a boost. It's a little payment with a message and see what other listeners have to say or create clips of your favorite moments of silly stuff I'm saying or like really cool guests. Getting started is so easy. You can get your Fountain wallet, add some money with a bank card. Oh, and you can earn money too by just listening on the Fountain app. It's a no-brainer. Visit fountain.fm to learn more. Hi guys, you're watching Out of the Box Podcast, watching or listening Out of the Box Podcast with Rosie Tran. I'm here today with a very special guest. He's a comedian and author of an amazing book called This is a Swedish Tiger, Aaron Flam. Aaron, how are you? I'm great, thank you. And you? I'm good. I'm really excited um, for you to share your story with the podcast listeners. It's definitely a very out of the box story. Um, So you wrote this book. Um, tell us a little bit about it, um, talking about the Swedish history um, during World War II. Oh, yeah. So um, I'm a Swedish Jewish comedian, and uh, my grandparents came here some during, some after the war, to Sweden, that is. And uh, um, <clears throat> when, uh, well, we call it peak PC, but maybe you call it peak wokeness, happened here around <laughs> 2014 to 2015 as a comedian uh, a lot of my jokes uh, concern uh, cultural specific taboos and Sweden has a pretty unique culture it's a very progressive country Uh, so uh, it mostly has to do with social democracy but I have been joking about these big social engineering programs that are basically government programs to uh, uh, make the popular populists walk in the same direction uh, in lockstep with each other, basically. And it used to work quite well when Sweden was one of the most homogenous cultures and and ethnicities in the world. Uh, But uh, those days are gone in Sweden, right? We're a multicultural country now. So so I saw all these government programs that I've been joking about for years. They're starting to like converge on a point where everything seems to sort of crash. And I thought myself in a unique position to try and explain why. Uh, so I, I, I took a pause from stand-up and uh, devoted my time to my podcast, Deconstructive Criticism, um, which is basically about critiquing deconstructivism, which is uh, a big thing in Sweden. And um, <clears throat> and so uh, I wrote this book. And this book is, um, it's basically, it's partly about uh, what happened during the war, because in Sweden, uh, we have this myth of neutrality, because Sweden was supposedly neutral during the Second World War. Uh, we were unlike all our neighbors in all directions, not invaded or bombed to smithereens. So uh, you have to ask yourself, how can a small country like that uh, fend off Germany? And there are several explanations to that. But uh, in Sweden, uh, we don't talk about that. There's a culture of silence about what happened during the war. We have a lot of cultures of silence here, by the way. (laughs) 
<laughs> don't uh, talk about anything. Don't mention it. Don't look at it. Don't smile at it. Put it under the rug and it never happened. Yes, because and this is where the Swedish tiger comes into the story, because uh, tiger is not a, a, an animal natural to the Swedish uh, fauna. Uh, as you might imagine, uh, I mean, it would be more appropriate, possibly, if Sweden had had an elk, <laughs> or, a, okay. or a reindeer, or something, you know, a, a, a bit more polar than a tiger. Uh, but the Swedish tiger, I can show you, this is actually an original tiger, a Swedish tiger. Uh, can you see it? Oh, yes. Oh, my God, that that's so funny. That's actually... I, I'm sure you don't know in Sweden, but that's actually the colors of the LSU Tiger. I'm from Louisiana, and that's the sports team. Oh, really? Yeah, and those are the actual colors, the purple and yellow, and the Tiger is the um, the this mascot. Is, okay, it looks purple for you. It's blue and yellow. It's the, okay. it's, it's the Swedish flag's colors. Okay, so for those yeah. of you who are listening to the podcast and not watching, um, it's a little Tiger icon that he just showed us, which has stripes on it that I thought looks like the LSU tiger, but apparently is blue and yellow, not purple and yellow. Yeah, but it's it's not um, it's not tiger stripes. It's very uh, straight stripes that goes from top to bottom and then just alternately uh, yellow and blue, basically. And and the thing is, the word tiger in Swedish has a dub. It's a double entendre. And I see you also have the poster behind your head with the book cover. Uh, well, yes, actually, that's uh, we, we can get to that a bit later. Uh, and I can explain the the symbol. Uh, so the the li it's a lithography behind me that, that uh, Rosie is referring to to you guys listening and not watching, obviously. Um, but so this tiger is a military symbol from the Second World War, uh, and uh, it's because the word tiger in uh, in Swedish has a double meaning. It can mean both uh, the animal tiger, but it can also mean to shut up. Oh, so, that's interesting. Uh, so a Swedish tiger means both, you know, the animal, a Swedish tiger, and a Swede shuts up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't again, don't talk about it. Let's just sleep this under the rug. <laughs> yes. And 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 they launched this campaign, the Swedish military and government in 1941, uh, in the midst of the Second World War. Uh, so to make Swedes sure that be quiet. <laughs> Precisely. And and it's interesting because a lot of countries, you know, were directly involved in the world and had, and had either uh, active opposition to Hitler Germany or was collaborating. But Sweden was supposedly neutral. So um, I wrote about uh, the Swedish neutrality because in reality, Sweden and Switzerland and countries like Spain they uh, they um, got away from being invaded by either being fascist, but uh, primarily by having something that Nazi Germany really needed. Being um, fascist on the on the DL, as they would say in English. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> I don't know if you know that term. <laughs> on the down low. Yes. I, think. yes. <laughs> I love it with your accent. Yes, sweet. We're we're um, we're fascist on the DL. <laughs> yeah. So so. Um, so I wrote about that, and then I wrote a uh, like a second part of the book was about collectivism and individualism, because another great Swedish lie is that we're one of the most individualist countries in the world, which is basically uh, completely false. We are not the most collectivist country in the world either. We're just somewhere in the middle. 
but I would say more collectivist than individualist, definitely. And then this, the, 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 and then there was a part about uh, Sweden's um, actions during the Cold War when we were also neutral between, you know, the United States and the Soviet Union. And the myth in Sweden is that neutrality is a moral good. And I argued against that and basically by saying, well, if you saw an ISIS soldier going to cut uh, the throat of an Yazidi girl and you remain neutral, how can that be a morally good position? Uh, what is the I... argument for it being a moral good? Because you're minding your own business or something? Oh, well, it's not really an argument. It's more of something you're supposed to think. <laughs> uh, no, I think the argument is something like, well, uh, we could help people, but we didn't really help that many people. What we did was supply the German forces with ball bearings, which was um, a very, it's like semiconductors today. Uh, a modern army can't really roll or fight without ball bearings. You need it for tanks and submarines and, and airplanes. So, so Sweden... Um, supplied Germany with ball bearings and then in exchange got gold from Germany that it got from occupied countries, which is not a very charming history to have. So you understand why people who lived through it in Sweden might be a bit ashamed of it. But that's that story that they invented afterwards for their children. So as not to tell them where the huge fortune that Sweden suddenly amassed came from, um, has uh, sort of spiraled, spiraled into something else a few generations down the line. Yeah, so that's interesting. So there's this kind of collectivist um, history in Sweden that's being funded by this dark past. Uh, yes, and I think it also gives rise to a certain amount of... Uh, deep-seated regret or a bad conscience because um, during the migrant crisis of 2014-2015 here in Europe when a lot of people came from the Middle East and especially Syria, um, Sweden and Germany uh, took in the most refugees, refugees. It's like, you know, they're protesting too much because they don't, they know there's something dark in the past that they have to comp overcompensate for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so um, I think it has to do with that. So I wrote that book, and then I I took the the Swedish tiger symbol as as cover, but I changed it a bit. I made the the tiger uh, do a, a Hitler salute, salute. <laughs> and and I made and I'm I made sorry to laugh at that, but that's very dark and hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and I made it wink a bit and smile a bit more, and uh, and so on. And then uh, and it was a huge success, success, the book. It came out in two editions within the span of a, a month or so. And then when the third edition uh, came to Sweden from the printing press in the Baltics, um, the police stormed the premises and uh, confiscated the, the entire edition. The entire oh, wow. Edition. So that's, yeah, so uh, the Swedish government it was trying to silence your book. That's my opinion. They, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, when, when people storm in and, and confiscate the, the book, it sounds a bit intense. It, yes, because it was a, a ton and a half of books. So it's uh, 1,500 kilos of books, approximately. Uh, that, and what was their that, argument for trying to silence your historical um, facts? And it, well, it's historical facts, but it's also sort of a cultural analysis, a psychoanalysis of the Swedish culture. 
I'm a comedian after all, I'm not an historian. Uh, so I have my unique perspective on, you know, the what we comedians, because you're also one, might call the collective unconsciousness or maybe even the collective consciousness. So um, I took the national symbol of the tiger as cover for the book. And that's so they, they charged me with copyright infringement. Oh, <laughs> okay. basically, basically piracy. But I mean, it, it's not piracy. Piracy is when you maybe make you know an exact copy of a designer handbag uh, let me ask was... you this because in the united states um comedy and satire are protected is that protected in sweden as well and here we come to sort of uh, uh the, the 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 center of the question no you have fair use and we in sweden have we don't have fair use so as a comedian and a satirist here I've been laboring for years against what we, we, because we have, and it's this is literally what they call it, the so-called parody exception. Okay. It's not a law, it's a praxis, which means, I mean, you're supposed to consider praxis as well, but it means that whenever a satirist, for instance, working for state television, which is our biggest television channel, uh, where I worked as a young man because I needed the money and also thought it would be fun, but it wasn't. Uh, making comedy for the government is not fun. <laughs> that does not sound fun <laughs> at all. <laughs> so, um, so I, I, I had problems because I noticed I'm a, I, where I was at least a fairly unbiased comedian. I just made jokes uh, towards the left and the right. It was political satire that I wrote, like a Daily Show type uh, uh, show in Swedish. And um, I, I noticed that all my jokes against the right, they just flew past the censors, whilst every joke uh, against the left became a passively aggressive uh, questioning sort of thing until it just petered out and never really aired. And so you felt like you were making fun of both sides. Yes, absolutely. But I mean, you have to understand also that Sweden is uh, one of the few, I mean, the Social Democrats uh, have pretty much ruled this country 80% of the time uh, for 100 years. I actually think that's really sad as far as um, being a Social Democrat, because part of any argument or any point of view or opinion is how well does it hold up under um, satire under argument under you know you want to have a strong point of view that can be attacked on all sides and still stand up right so you would think that they would want and welcome satire and parody and um kind of like poking holes in the argument right well i think uh, partly it's what you americans you have this proverb i think that uh, uh, power corrupts and uh, uh, total power corrupts totally or something um no? I I don't think that's an American. I think that's like Socrates or something. <laughs> okay. Anywho, uh, if you have, I'm probably that, getting it wrong, but I think that's like a Greek philosopher. I'm gonna, I'm, I should Google it. Okay, I'm wrong, but I know it. I yes, I understand. <laughs> but if if you have that much power for that long of a time, unbridled, anyone would become corrupt. And since it's a social democracy, uh, it becomes corrupt uh, in alignment with the ideology of. Uh, Swedish social democracy, which is quite special. This is the world's, <laughs> I think, oldest social democracy. So, so um, it's more of a people's republic. Uh, but um, so they they uh, prosecuted me for a few years. The the for police... piracy. Uh, yes, precisely. <laughs> okay. So first, first I was in investigated by uh, 
the unit against international and organized crime for a year and a half. For a book cover. They... Let's let's be very clear for the listeners and watchers that you were this is from a book cover. Yes. Is their absolutely. argument. Okay. But yes. really what seems is happening is that your book an analyzing and possibly criticizing and bringing light to this Nazi fascist association with the country was not voting well with the government. I think so, because um, what I was trying to say earlier about the so-called parody exception is that it could, whenever it suited them, they would say, well, it doesn't hold up, up to copyright because copyright is a law, right? And the parody exception is only a praxis. So they could always say, yeah, of course we have a parody exception, but it wouldn't really be a parody exception because they could always say, no, it doesn't apply here or whatever. No, so maybe you should have put a Hitler, um, is it a Hitler mustache? It, no, no, I, I don't think. Hitler salute, Hitler salute. Okay, Hitler salute. And then maybe you should have put a clown nose on the tiger. To, to make it even more obviously satire. <laughs> <Yes>. me. <laughs> well, I thought... I thought it was quite obvious. <laughs> uh, oh, and, he's making you know, a Hitler salute and he has a clown nose. So uh, clearly it's a parody. <laughs> one would think uh, that the, the prosecution's uh, argument was during the trial that the prosecutor couldn't understand how the cover could be a parody if the contents of the book were serious. Okay, so this is why making comedy for the government is a bad idea because they didn't have a sense of humor uh exactly <laughs> they don't, they don't uh, uh, actually he, he in the courtroom he read a lot of my old tweets oh you know, they, wow it, yeah because he wanted to paint me as a dangerous or, or deranged person and i mean if you if you read jokes without you know the, the without timing <laughs> <laughs> i can just imagine this like super serious guy in the courtroom reading punchlines with no with bad comedic timing and just straight faced <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can attest that this prosecutor was very high up on the the, the gliding scale scale of autism spectrum <laughs> something <laughs> you're uh, like that... no you're ruining my punchline there's a pause there and when i say <laughs> hitler that's when you put him boom and he wasn't getting my material <laughs> What a unique situation. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know if this joke will translate, but he read one of my one-liners, which is basically, and I'll explain it briefly afterwards, <laughs> the best thing you can do for the climate is to not have children, especially if you're Maliana Anman. And Maliana Anman is very famous in Sweden in her own right. She's an opera singer and a musical artist, but she she's also the mother of Greta Thunberg. Okay. <laughs> and... Uh, he read that with a straight face. <laughs> so yeah. Actually, yeah, you do sound if 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 that tweet without context it sounds really mean and nasty, actually. Well, thank you. I try to be. <laughs> if you're just saying if you're just saying it very straight face, but if you're saying it with a sarcastic tone, that's a different joke. That's a joke. Exactly. Uh, or at least that's my point. Uh, and uh, after a few years of being tried uh, I won uh, and uh, it wasn't a unanimous um, um, sort of uh, uh, what do you call it verdict when some 
verdict exactly yeah. thank you rosie <laughs> and um uh, no uh, but um so one of the judges wanted to keep the parody exceptions but the majority vote wanted to take in the eu parody exception which is actually kind of a good fair use uh, clause so uh, thanks to me we now have both in sweden uh, which means yes which means we have two types of um, uh, protection for satire which is uh, good news for me because uh, I think that will make my colleagues here a bit braver in the future when it comes to uh, manufacturing uh, jokes and sketches and when it comes to the lithography uh, is a bit different uh, than the cover of the book because uh, the cover of the book was under prosecution and uh, the books were confiscated and I had promised a lot of people books uh, and also they wanted millions in fines from me, the government. Oh, horrible. Uh, so I had to uh, make millions. Uh, I'm a comedian, but I'm, I'm, and I'm mid-level successful in a very small country, which means I, I, can, I can get by, but I'm not rich by any means. You can't pay millions of dollars in Swedish fines against, <laughs> against no, no. you. <laughs> So, so I made a, a lithography, another parody of the tiger, where he he wears a concentration camp suit, <laughs> and and holds up the 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 fist of BLM, <laughs> and, and that they they didn't dare they didn't dare confiscate that, <laughs> because that would have looked extremely bad. <laughs> but it was also kind of strange because, um, as I said, I I was previous to this. Uh, trial or prosecution I was semi-famous or pretty famous I have a big post on Wikipedia both in Swedish and English one if you want to read it and uh, one of the complaints against me was that I was in the Nordic resistance movement and that's a neo-Nazi organization first and of all I, is that true yes or no uh, uh, no I'm okay I, I don't think they accept <laughs> self they don't accept Jews uh, lib liberal Jews. I don't. I don't think they do that. I mean, I'm so not the neo-Nazi saying... group does not accept satirical Jewish comedians. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm. I, I'm not saying that a Jew couldn't be a Nazi because I think anyone can grow up to be anything they want to be. I'm just saying. I'm just saying you're not going to be accepted in every neo-Nazi circle you're like, of your as, Jewish heritage. You're like, as a Jew, I identify as a Nazi. <laughs> you, you could absolutely i do not but uh, no, no that was I'm a joke a... that was a joke on i on on identification for yes anyone. i understand okay but, <laughs> for the listeners uh, <laughs> um but um um it was so, a woke uh, it was a woke joke <laughs> oh i see H how woke is it over there now um so it depends on what part of the country you're in so I actually feel like the term woke has been confiscated the way the word liberal has been confiscated because I don't know if you know the history of the word liberal, but neo, there's liberal and then neoliberal meant something else and then liberal meant something else. So it can be really confusing. Um, so I think being woke in the traditional sense of the word is a very good thing, which should mean to be aware and um, socially aware. And so I think that word has been confiscated and now it's turning into something else, um, which I don't like. <laughs> and... I write a bit about that in my book, actually. It's interesting because 
in America, I know liberal is a curse word that the right uses against the left. And I'm a, from a country where liberal is a curse word that socialists use against the right. It's very confusing. So I think that we all need to <laughs> decide what things mean. Because I think that certain words have been confiscated and reorganized into a very confusing thing. But I, I consider, I would consider myself aware, which is the original definition of woke. And I think woke now has turned into um, a bad word. And, and some people mean it to be certain things and some people mean it to be other things. And it's very ironic because the woke culture that I don't like are people that are claiming that they're very aware of the needs of minorities or women or other things, but they're doing it in a very um, controlling way and in a very authoritarian way. And so that's very ironic because that's the opposite of um, giving people rights. You want you want everyone to have rights and, and equality. And what they're what I see a lot of I'm going to put quotations woke people doing is they're they're claiming that they want to help minorities or women or the poor, but their techniques are very authoritarian and oppressive, which is the opposite. So um, I think the best way to give minorities and women and, and the poor rights is to um, spread freedom and democracy and free ideas and not through authoritarianism. So that's my opinion. Um, so I am making up a word right now, but I would consider myself classically woke. <laughs> <laughs> totally made up term just made up by me right now on the podcast um and but yes yeah, so there there's different meanings i don't like the authoritarianism i don't like the idea that you're taking rights from anyone or that someone should be punished for someone else's crimes of the past i don't like that i don't think history should be erased i think awareness needs to be made so i i don't know where i fit in in the political spectrum I, I do have views on both sides, and I do think that both sides have um, ridiculous, silly, cer certain silly um, issues that they that they champion for that are kind of, um, I think, a distraction from the real political issues that can create change and positive things for the world. I'm only an outside ob observer of your culture, but your culture is pervasive. So, so it, you know, I, I, I think I watch, I, I think I, I, on average, I think I watch more American culture or consume more American culture uh, than I do actually Swedish culture. Uh, and my impression is that, uh, well, any political movement has to be uh, wary of entryism, right? Of other political actors hijacking their movement for their own ends. And my impression I feel like that's is, what's happened. I feel like that's what's happened in America is that a certain sinister... Um, I guess sinister is kind of a scary word, but I think a lot of sinister forces have come in and, and a lot of people are, I think, in too deep a little bit. And, and it, so this is what I will say, Aaron. So I've been doing stand-up comedy for 20 years. So I want to answer your original question about how woke is it over here? I have never in my 20 years of stand-up comedy been considered an offensive comedian. In the past two years, I have had people offended by my stand-up a lot of people. So that's, that. hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> yes, it does. And it's so scary I, because I'm not saying anything super controversial. 
<laughs> no, but uh, it's interesting because I actually write a bit about this in the book. In the second part of the Tiger book, I write about the difference between an individualist country and a collectivist country. And Sweden is definitely more on the collectivist side, and, and you live in the most individualist country in the world. Uh, so, so I think what hap has happened over the course of almost a century uh, in your liberal party, which was originally a liberal party, is that uh, certain socialist ideas have come in. And uh, as I live in a socialist country and I contrast uh, our cultures, or at least the uh, Anglo-Saxon culture with the, the Germanic Swedish culture, a bit, quite a bit in the book, uh, and um, I, I think uh, you have imported certain concepts uh, from uh, from uh, European Labour parties and, and Swedish Social Democratic uh, progressive ideas that suits your country quite ill, I'd say. You have to remember that most of these policies that Sweden applied to its own population, as I said before, happened in one of the world's most homogenous places. Yeah, and America is definitely a super diverse melting pot. I actually have a joke about that. I, I say that a little bit of racism in America is a good thing because that means there's a lot of different races here to hate. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's true. It's like we're here. If, if, if everyone is just white, you know, who do you hate? Everyone just looks exactly alike. So I think well, you can hate, but you don't have anyone to practice on, basically. <laughs> so I think I think a little bit of racism, not a lot, obviously, is a good thing because it shows that there is diversity. And so there, there's a pro and con to everything. And I think that's one of the pros of racism is that shows that there is diversity in your um, country and in your state and in your environment. And I think that's a, a huge positive. Um, so... I want to talk a little bit more about you winning this lawsuit against the Swedish government. Yes, <laughs> well, uh, to, 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 to put your uh, worries completely to rest, I'm not a neo-Nazi. Uh, my grandparents were all Holocaust survivors, and uh, I grew up here with my grandparents, which gave me uh, a, a, an extra view of Sweden's role during the war, which I also thought at that point in time when I wrote the book would be important to share. Aaron, I had no thoughts that you were a neo-Nazi. I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, but I, I, I brought it up because uh, the Swedish police and prose uh, prosecutor Called did. you a neo-Nazi. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, all they really needed to do was Google because it says in on my Wikipedia page, Jewish comedian uh, jokes a bit about anti-Semitism from time to time. Um, and the book You're like, wait a minute, is... I'm the opposite of a neo-Nazi. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so um, so that uh, that was uh, quite interesting. And during the final words, what you call it when, when lawyers sum up at the end of the trial? Closing arguments. Closing arguments, yes. During the closing arguments, the prosecution showed me pictures of Adolf Hitler and Auschwitz and Anne Frank and, aye, informed, aye. and informed me about the Holocaust, which I, I frankly uh, thought so absurd uh, growing up the way I did uh, I that, like I, didn't, that definitely... I, I couldn't even take offense. It was like a, a, a totally Kafkaesque situation. Um, I felt like they were totally making the worst argument ever. 
Yes, uh, they d it was a lousy argument. That's why they lost. And I think they knew they were going to lose, but they held me up for a few years in court, which from their perspective, you know, wearing me down, down might be a good thing. Okay, so that is awful. Um, let's talk about something sounds, <laughs> that sounds super boring, but actually interesting to me because this is my podcast. So you guys have to listen to what I want to talk about. Um, so you're being sued, you're countersuing, and you're winning. Uh, all the while, you're innocent. You haven't yes. done anything wrong. However, you have to pay legal fees. No, you don't. Oh, this is okay. Freedom. This is Sweden, and I was prosecuted by the state, which means I can choose my lawyer, and then the government has to pay, at least if I win. Okay, that's so, amazing. So, I was I thought they were putting you through the financial ringer as well, which sounds, which was what they do in the United States. Yeah, no, no, what happens is uh, while you're being prosecuted, you can't really talk about the prosecution of yourself, you know, publicly which if you're a comedian and a satirist puts puts sort of a damper on your career. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. That but, must have been uh, so hard for you. Like you want, wanted to make fun of it so badly, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I look like Gandalf Grey and I'm only 44. <laughs> a very fit Gandalf Grey, I must add. Um, well, we have to wrap up soon. Um, is your book translated in English at all? I'm so interested. Yes, it is. It's on Amazon. Awesome. So, you guys um, can check out Aaron Flam's book, The Tiger, The Swedish Tiger. This is a Swedish Tiger. Sorry, I wanted to get the word incorrectly on Amazon. Um, how can people, can people purchase this lithograph behind you? I'm like super interested in it. No, that's sold out, fortunately. Um, so, uh, uh, and uh, what part of the verdict was that they came to the conclusion that what I had done with the cover was art. So they judged me to be an artist. So now I'm an artist. I didn't even have to go to art school for this. It's amazing. <laughs> well, Aaron, I just think it's really amazing what you've done, because like you said, now there's that parody exception in Sweden. That is a huge, I mean don't die on me, but you can die now. And like, you have that, that's like, you made it possible for comedians. That's amazing. You're like a trailblazer. Not only that, I also will bore legal, uh, uh, legal students for years to come. <laughs> You're not going to do a second edition of this lithograph I'm with, come on. No, 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 no. You you don't do a, a second edition of a lithograph. The 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 printing the the printing uh, role that you use is destroyed after you do the 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 printing. Oh so gosh. there's a limited uh, amount of lithographs out for sale. Wow! And if I do more, then uh, then I'm being dishonest and opening up for another prosecution. So I think I'll abstain. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't realize that. <laughs> So how many were released? 490. Okay, wow. This yes. is like Picasso. It might be worth like millions of dollars. <laughs> well, I have a I have a, a poster of it made because you can make as many posters as you, as you want. And I might bring a few to Freedom Fest. But you're not coming, are you? I'm not coming. I'm very sad. Ah. <laughs> so I'll leave it with one of the comedians who gets to meet you. Um, you can leave it with Yoshi, our friend Yoshi. Okay, cool. Uh, and and do you live in LA? I do. I live in Los Angeles. 
Okay, uh, and uh, you know a lot of comedians there? I do. Come visit us. Uh, oh, I have, and I will again. Awesome. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay, so guys, Aaron Flam, um, revolutionary Jewish Thank you. comedian, non-neo-Nazi. Yes, <laughs> definitely non. Non-neo-Nazi, anti, anti. Um, how can people find you on social media and follow you and support everything that you're doing and the amazing work that you've done for freedom of speech, for comedy, for um, history? Wow. Well, uh, you can follow me on Twitter where uh, I'm uh, uh, visible, uh, hopefully. And uh, you can follow me on YouTube. Uh, pretty much all social media sites, actually. Oh, uh, awesome. I'm a parasite on all of them. Well, guys, if you are watching this podcast on Rockfin or YouTube, I will have um, Aaron's social media links below in the show notes. If you're listening, um, I don't know what you can do. You'll just have to find him and Google him. <laughs> guys, this has been Out of the Box Podcast with Rosie Tran. As always, outofthepodcast.com. I'm on Twitter at Funny Rosie and Instagram, Out of the Box Rosie. Thanks, guys. <laughs>